Pastor Jesse and Lauren have been, um, can I be honest with you for a second? When they brought us on, I, you guys can have a seat. Sorry. It's going to be a while until I read the word. <laughs> when they brought us on, I, I, didn't, I didn't see in me what I think maybe he saw in me. And it's really blessed not just my life, but my family's life, um, our community's life, our friend's life. And it's been such an honor and a privilege to do, I don't know, what the six different roles I've done at Eternity Church. I've bounced around to a lot of different spots. But it has been so much fun, and it has been such an honor. And I'm so blessed and so grateful that I work at a church that uh, my pastor is my boss. He's also my best friend. And his wife and I have eerily similar uh, tastes in humor, which is kind of scary, honestly. Like, we both just love all the same humor, and it's, it's honestly a little scary. So, Pastor Lauren, I love you. Pastor Jesse, I love you, wherever he went off to. Thank you guys so much for leading such an incredible church and for taking us on the journey. It's been so much fun. It's been so much fun. I had, uh, I had Pastor Rob bring out uh, the table because I recently have fallen back in love with reading the Bible from a Bible, not from my phone. How many of you, like, when you get your, your, uh, your phone out to read your Bible, you got to first check off the notifications, check your emails, somebody texts you, you got to see what's going on. I am super guilty of that. But when I'm in this, there's nothing that pops up in the corner telling me to reply to an email or nobody's calling me. So I, can I just encourage you real quick? It has nothing to do with my message whatsoever. But can I just encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, come find us outside when we're done. We'll give you a Bible. If you can afford to buy one, please buy one so those can go to people who can't afford one. Um, but please, get a, get a Bible, get a Word of God, and get into it daily, because this will bless your life. As amazing as what happens here, this will bless your life. If you do this and nothing else, you will live a blessed life. Amen? All right, so let's get started. I just, I'm sorry, I'm just so excited about being here, about preaching the Word on my birthday. It's so exciting, I love it. Um, and I love this place, especially around the holidays. You guys like the decorations outside? Yeah? I love Christmas, one of my favorite times of the year. Um, going to church with the family, all the delicious food. Anybody like holiday food? Mmm, yeah. green bean casserole. Come on. I love me some green bean casserole. I, I told the youth leaders yesterday I have a love-hate relationship with turkey. I love me some dark meat turkey, but hate white meat turkey. Like, it's the worst part of the meal is the white meat part of the turkey. And I know, okay, just now, I'm going to be out there afterwards don't come up to me and say, but Pastor Sean, you've never had my white meat turkey, okay? Because it doesn't matter how you cook it. It's all garbage, all right? Dark meat turkey is where it's at. Just leave it at that. We've, we've had kind of an ongoing dialogue about this at, at the office, and it's kind of fun. Uh, but you know what? Let me, let me tell you what. I want to kind of hear what your guys' favorite foods are, not just holiday foods. Would you just shout at me what your favorite food on the planet is? I heard pizza. I heard, did I hear rolls? Pickles? Cottage cheese? You and Jaden are spirit animals. Cottage cheese. Chick-fil-A, the Lord's chicken. Anybody else? Come on. Anybody else? What was that, Tish? Lamb. Where are the Lutzes at? We went to a Greek food place this last week, and I was like, I'll go, but they have to serve something other than lamb. I can't do lamb. I'm sorry. But hey, to each his own, right? To it, thank you. I appreciate that, Lauren. Anything else? Any other favorite foods that you didn't hear? Huh? 
Did you say Taco Bell? Taco Bell and Taco John's. Okay. I guess if you enjoy spending time in the bathroom. Anything else? Anything else? No? Spaghetti. Yeah, you and my daughter would get along really well. My daughter loves spaghetti. I'll tell you what, my favorite, absolute favorite food on the entire planet that I could eat anytime, day or night, is steak. I love steak. And my personal preference, personal preference is the ribeye. I think the ribeye is the best cut of meat on a cow. It's so good. My buddy got me a tomahawk ribeye for my birthday, and I'm so jacked to eat that thing. It's going to be amazing. But since I couldn't exactly cook you a, a steak, even though that has been done here on stage before, I wasn't prepared to do that for you tonight. So my second favorite food is much more readily accessible, and that's donuts. Anybody like a good donut in here? Come on. Pastor Rob's bringing us some donuts. I do not have enough for everybody, so I will not share. Thank you, Pastor Rob. To me, a good donut is, I mean, it's not like a fine wine because they age horribly, but they are delicious. I love a good donut. In fact, Caleb and I have a Sunday morning tradition every week when we come into church because this kid faithfully serves every week up in production. I love it. Every Sunday when we come into church, we stop at Hy-Vee Fresh in Waukee and get some donuts and a drink. And it's one of my favorite parts of the week, honestly. I get to hang out with my boy and eat some donuts, and he's usually staring at YouTube, but I get to spend time with him nonetheless. But donuts is my favorite, second favorite food. I will never, ever not be hungry for donuts. If you offer me a donut, I'm probably going to take it. Like, I don't care what diet I'm on. I don't care if I'm trying to run a triathlon in a month. I'm going to eat that donut, all right? Uh, but not like the crazy topping ones. This, this is kind of my wheelhouse here. These and Long John's are usually my go-tos. If you bring me like, I don't have anything against Krispy Kremes or anything against Hertz Donuts, but that's just too much sugar. You know, like the cereal on top. Uh, I, I particularly don't like filled donuts. It's just too much. This is simple. It's fried. It's delicious. It's got some sugar on it. It's perfect. It's like the perfect food. It's got carbs, it's got sugar, and it's horrible for me. <laughs> Absolutely horrible for me. Now, I know they're not good for you, but they're so tastily, readily, readily accessible, it's hard to avoid a good donut. Am I right? Yeah. All right. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I have never in my entire life thought, you know what? I could eat some spinach. Or kale. You could kind of interchange those two. Kale or spinach. I'm never going to want that. Um, what is it? Biagi's has a chicken marsala dish that has some spinach in it, but it's like deep fried and covered in lemon, and so it's a little different. It's okay, but I'm never going to say, yeah, go ahead and toss some spinach in with that dish because it's just, it's, it's, why would I, like in the words of Ron Swanson, why would I eat the food my food eats? Like, no, give me a steak. That's horrible. I don't like that at all. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of the time Holly and I took a trip recently. Now my fingers have donut goo all over them. Sorry, give me a sec. I'm sorry for whoever has to use the microphone next. Joe, my bad, bro. Yeah, we'll sanitize it. Holly and I recently took a trip to, to Phoenix, and when we got there, we wanted to do some shopping, but when we got to the shopping area in Old Town Scottsdale, we were really hungry. And so we looked up where we were at and kind of saw this, this smoothie shop kind of around the corner from where we were. And we're like, oh, let's just go to smoothie. We love smoothies. We'll go get a smoothie. And what should have warned me that this was going to be the worst smoothie of my life was when we walked in the door and it smelled like homemade candle and spices. It's like you could, t 
you could tell hippies ran the store. Let's just be honest, okay? I don't have anything against hippies. I just don't like their food. And so we walk in, and there's this drink on the wall. I see that it's all, like, super healthy stuff. And I'm like, I don't know about this place. And then I saw one that had pineapple in it. I love pineapple. Pineapple and cilantro were, like, two of my favorite things in the world. Really, like, probably top five with steak and donuts. And so I'm like, yeah, it's got, like, almond milk and some other stuff in it, like spinach. But I'm sure the pineapple and cilantro will overpower those tastes. And so we order the drinks. It takes forever. I have to step outside because I'm getting a headache from the hippie smells. And they call our names. And I go back in, get my drink, go outside, take a sip, and almost yak all over the sidewalk. It was so disgusting. And what was my very next move, babe? Threw it in the trash. I don't care. It was like a $10 smoothie. I was like, I don't care how much the smoothie costs. It's going in the trash. I will never be hungry enough to ever want that hippie smoothie ever again. It was horrible absolute garbage water. It was disgusting. I hated it so much. And when I, when I had that smoothie, and I, and I realized that sometimes the things that are good for you aren't always the things that are the most fun or delicious, right? Like, I could go over here and eat the donuts, but I'm going to be hungry for that again in like 10 minutes. Or I could eat the spinach, and it's going to fill me up for probably the next hour, right? Sometimes the things that are really good for you aren't the best things that you want to put in you, aren't the things that you want to put in your body, right? He reminded me of the times in my life when I've been hungry, but not for food, for things of the world. When I've been hungry for things like uh, approval or love, come on, or being elevated in my position. When I started out, like Pastor Jesse said, as the kids pastor slash janitor, I didn't have any promises of, of one day being the next gen pastor or the Adele campus pastor. It was, hey, here's the job. Do you want it? And I was hungry for it. And so I took it. I was never promised that extra stuff. But no matter how hard I chased extra stuff in my life, because there's been times when I've been hungry for worldly things, it never satisfied me. Not once. I was always hungry for more later on. I never felt like I was no longer hungry for the thing I was chasing. Never felt full. I'm not alone in that, right? Anybody else ever have that happen to them? Come on. Yeah? It's a problem we run into often, yeah? It's so easy to fall into that trap. It's so easy to fall into that trap. We think if we just work a little harder, our boss will recognize us and give us that promotion. If I just get the latest clothes, hairstyle, or work out on my bod a little bit, get rid of this dad bod, that girl or guy will like me. Maybe if I just watch one more episode, it'll justify me staying up till 2 a.m. to binge watch the great British baking show or Squid Game or whatever the latest, hottest show is right now. I don't even know. If I just post the right picture or video on social media, everybody will think my life is perfect and right in line. When everybody knows that what's on social media is fake news, right? That's not your life. Come on. The problem is that no matter how often I come back to this stuff, I'm always going to be hungry for more. I'm always going to want more donuts. It's never going to satisfy me. It's going to make me fat. It's going to make me lazy. It's going to destroy my life. It's going to make me tired all the time. Yeah, I might get a sugar high, but in about half an hour, I'm going to come crashing right back down. It's never going to satisfy me the way something healthy will. I'll always want more fame, more attention, more money, more influence. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with any of those things. But if you love that stuff, it will never satisfy you. Sure, you'll feel good for a moment, but it won't lead to a productive, healthy lifestyle. If anything, chasing after the world has to offer is going to lead to greed. It's going to lead to selfishness. It's going to lead to bitterness and loneliness and eventually destruction. 
which is why God spoke to uh, Jacob in Genesis chapter 32. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 22. And if you would please stand up with me as we read the word. And I'm going to get there in just a second. Jake, uh, sorry, Genesis 32, verse 22. Jacob's life up to this point is a life of struggle. His entire life has been that of struggle. In fact, Jacob's father and grandfather struggled. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all struggled with the world, with being hungry for the things of God on a consistent basis. They struggled with that. He and his brother Esau literally struggled. Coming out of the womb, Jacob had a hold of Esau's ankle. He wanted to grab him. In fact, his name in the Old Testament means the grabber or the, uh, what did I put in here, the supplanter. That was what Jacob was. He wanted to be trick. He wanted to uh, use trickery to get stuff. He wanted to try to get his brother right at the womb. They grew up a little bit. Jacob gets Esau to sell him his birthright as the firstborn son. Esau comes out first, so he's the firstborn son. He gets the birthright. But Jacob tricks him out of that. He grabs it from him. Esau's thrown into a rage, but they get over it. They're brothers. And then on Isaac's, uh, sorry, on, uh, yeah, on Isaac's deathbed, what happens is Jacob, again, tricks his family into getting his father's blessing. He, he actually puts on a hairy coat because his brother's super hairy and goes into his father's room where his, his dad can't see very well. He says, Dad, it's me. Give me your blessing. And he thinks it's Esau, and so he does. And this enrages Esau even more, and so Jacob flees for his life to his uncle's house. His name's Laban, in a faraway land. And finally, he meets his match in Laban. Laban tricks him out of the woman he wants to marry, makes him work for him for 20 years, constantly messing with him. Jacob has totally met his match in Laban. Laban gives him sleepless nights by making him go out and watch the flocks. He, uh, he tricks him into paying him different wages, different times of seasons. Jacob usually has to take on the loss of the sheep from his uncle through his own sheep. So if his uncle would lose sheep from, from wolves or whatever, he would have to take care of that out of his own pocket. Constantly, he's fighting with Laban. He eventually, though, because of his own wit and God's favor, marries the girl of his dreams, has a beautiful family. He, his wit wins out. His flocks increase, though yet again tricking his uncle. But his cousins find out, and they get furious, and they notice. And so God says, Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers. Go back to where I've called you to lead. Go back to your family. I'm going to make you a great nation there. So he picks up his family. He picks up his flocks and head out, and he says, Laban, listen, this has not worked out at all. There's some more fighting and stuff in there, but eventually they build this pile of rocks on the edge of Laban's property and say, listen, Laban, you stay over there. I'll stay over here, and we'll just stay out of each other's business. So Jacob can no longer go back to the land of his, of his uncle. He's got to go forward. There's no way for him to go backwards. And that's where we're picking up the story here in, in Genesis chapter 32. And it says, that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. It's a little weird. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. 
But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Go ahead and have a seat and say to your neighbor, may God give you a spiritual limp. Doesn't sound like something you want, does it? Jacob's exhausted. 20 years of fighting with his uncle, of striving, being unable to go back to be with his uncle. He knows he can't go back that way. His brother in front of him, surely wanting to completely annihilate everything he cares about. He stole his birthright after all. His brother might have nothing because of the birthright that was stolen. Now he has to face some random dude who wants to wrestle in the middle of the night? That's weird. The Bible is weird, you guys. It's nuts. Like This is like WWE style just going at it, right? Probably more like cage match UFC, huh? It's not until the man touches Jacob's hip that he realizes he's actually wrestling with God. He's wrestling with the king of the universe. And he's like, I'm not letting you go. You got to bless me. If I got this blessed from being my dad's son, how much more am I going to get blessed if God blesses me? So he refuses to let go until God blesses him. After all of his striving and conniving and chasing and trickery, it's not until he turns to God that he receives the blessing that God wanted to give him all along. God told him from before he was born, God spoke to his family and said, you will be greater than your older brother. The older brother will serve the younger. So it was always planned out that Jacob would receive the blessing, that Jacob would carry the promise of Abraham and Isaac, that Jacob would be the, the country and the nation that would be set up in Israel. It was always the plan. Jacob just needed to let go and let God help him enter into that blessing. Did it change his situation? Not really. Right? In fact, if anything, it made it worse. The last thing he wanted the night before his biggest obstacle, the night before he's going to see his brother, who he hasn't seen in over 20 years, who surely wants to kill him, is an all-night wrestling match with God. He needed his rest. He needed his family. He needed to chill out in his tent. He had nothing. He sent his family over. He sent all of his stuff over. It was just him alone with God wrestling all night long. But he knew more than sleep, more than a meal, more than help from a friends, that he needed that wrestling match, that he needed God more than anything he sent across that ford. He needed God in his life to help him. So he decided to stop struggling with man and start struggling with God. He realized that he always had access to God's blessing. He just needed to let go and let God do what he was going to do all along. Let God bless him. It's like God's grabbing and saying, let me bless you. Just let me bless you. He realized that he always had access to God's blessing. He just needed to stop. 
And so what happens? Instead of his brother completely destroying his entire family, instead of his brother coming over the river and saying, you're done, pal. Because of what you did to me, I'm going to kill you and everything you care about. His brother embraces him and just weeps because he just missed his little brother. It's been 20 years since I've seen you, man. I missed you. Jacob actually sent across a bunch of gifts to try to appease Esau. And Esau's like, I don't want that stuff. I just want you. I want to see my nieces and nephews. I want to get to know my sister-in-law. I want to get to know you. I believe all because he said, I'm just going to let go. I'm going to let God do in me what God wants to do in me. What are you hungry for, church? What are you hungry for today? Are you hungry for fame? You can get five minutes of fame easy. Do something stupid and put it on the internet. That's not even hard. Are you wanting approval? Everybody's got daddy issues. Go see a counselor, right? God's the only approval I need. Do you want that perfect body shape? I've put on about 60 pounds since having kids. My wife still loves me. It's okay. Should I lose a little bit of weight? Sure. But what are you really seeking after? Joy and fads that'll change in a month? I, I never even got into TikTok or Snapchat. I can't keep up with that stuff. There's like a new thing every week. I just started playing Among Us, and my kids are like, Dad, we stopped playing that like a month ago. I'm like, don't even try that. You want to be elevated at work? You want freedom from being an addict? I struggled with that for a long time. I thought my addiction was who I am. Come on. You want enough money to make the rent the next month? That's not a bad thing to want. You want to provide for your family, that's great. Or do you want to be hungry for more of God? A hunger for God that will give you a friendship with the creator of the universe. The creator who spoke and everything came into existence. I want to know that guy. I don't care what y'all do. I mean, I love you and I want to get to know you and you have great stories. But I want to know that guy. That's impressive. Hunger for God will make you content with who he's created you to be and patient enough to wait for the right person to love you. That person who says, ah, church isn't that important this week. Let's just go out to the club tonight. You need to ditch that lady. Ditch that guy right now. Tonight. I'm just saying. Pastor Jesse this week. Pastor Connor had youth leader retreat this weekend. And preaching this weekend, so Pastor Jesse's like, I'll preach on Wednesday. He hasn't preached in youth ministry in like 10 years. Dude still got it. He preached a fire message, and he talked about, teens, what are you doing wasting time looking for the right girl or guy? You're 14. Spend time having fun. Get to know God. That'll bless your life. A hunger for God will supersede fads that change and give you peace and joy that is far superior to anything this world has to offer. TikTok, Snapchat, all that crap's going to go away. There's going to be a new thing in a week. But God's word never changes. His love for you is unending. His joy and your purposes is beyond anything you could ever ask or imagine. How much he wants to bless you is more than you can ask or imagine. You think what you have now is blessed? 
Be hungry for more of God and see what he'll do in your life. Be hungry for more prayer and see how well God speaks to you. Be obedient when the Holy Spirit speaks and see how more confident you become when he speaks. You want your kids to love God? Tell them about God. Read the word to them. A hunger for God will elevate you in the places that he knows will bless you most, giving you the right kind of influence. That's a word for somebody in here today. I know there's people in here chasing influence like it's the last thing they need. Influence with God is the only thing you need. Influence with God will give you and get you anywhere you need to go. Hunger for God will remind you that you are not a product of an addiction, but a child of God, and with his power, you can be free. Can I be honest with you for a second? And if this rubs you the wrong way, I am really sorry. And if it's helped you, I'm not speaking against it. I'm just saying it's a personal preference of mine. There's something about AA that I do not like. And when they say, I am an alcoholic, I call bullcrap. I am not a product of my addiction. I am a child of God, created in the image of God, made to worship the king of the universe. That's who I am. I might have a struggle with a thing that I need a lot of help with, and that's okay. But that's not who I am. A hunger for God will give you peace that surpasses all understanding, no matter what your financial situation looks like. Like Jacob, we've never not had access to the blessing. Like Jacob, we've never not been able to go to God when we needed to. We don't need God to interrupt our lives and have an all-night wrestling match with us. Although sometimes that's exactly what we need. It's always been right there waiting for us to turn to him and say, yes, God, I want that. I want the healthy thing in my life. <laughs> the Bible's not disgusting. Spinach is. I was going to put that in my mouth, but I just decided not to. I don't even want it. <laughs> I want more of your plan in my life and less of mine. Even if I have to walk with a spiritual limp for the rest of my life, I want what you have for me. And that's okay because it means I've spent time wrestling with God. If I've got a spiritual limp, like Paul said, he had a thorn in his flesh that God just wouldn't take away. If I've got a spiritual limp that God just won't remove, that's all right because it means I've probably spent time wrestling with the King of Kings. I heard a, an awesome line from, I think it was, uh, um, Charles Spurgeon. It was, um, oh, this isn't my notes. I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. If that trouble, if that hardship is going to put me closer to God, bring it on. That's a joy that I can get excited about. If that wave's going to toss me on the rocks, I want it to toss me on the rock of ages. Amen. It's the biggest reason why Pastor Connor has completely revolutionized how she preaches on Wednesday nights. Completely changed our youth ministry. Our youth ministry this last year has grown from, what, 40 or 50 kids to, we're averaging 115, 120 kids most week. It's insane. It's awesome. Our youth leaders who just spent the last two days planning 2022 to try to give your students an awesome experience was so much fun, but it's because they love your kids. And because Pastor Connor's pouring into them, what she does is she presents an issue, right? She gets on stage and says, here's the problem. And here's what God has to say about it. What do you think? 
She breaks them up into their connect groups and say, wrestle with that. Now she's got youth leaders helping them, right? If there's this highway and there's this massive cliff over here, there's guardrails as youth leaders preventing kids from going way off track. But the students are given an opportunity to wrestle with hard concepts. They're given an opportunity to say, is that something I believe or not? And if not, let's pray about that. Let me help you. Let's dig into the word and see what it says. She brings them right to the point of tension and then pulls back and doesn't resolve it. Allows them to resolve the tension and allows them to arrive at their own conclusions. She lets the students talk through it and do some wrestling. Because how many of you know it's one thing It's one thing to learn about goodness of God. It's one thing to learn about from the Bible how good God has been to his people. It's a completely secondary thing. It's another thing altogether to experience the goodness of God. It's not even close to the same thing. I can read this all day long, but if somebody demonstrates to me how good God is by showing me love, that lasts forever. It's one thing to hear about forgiveness. It's a whole nother ballgame to experience forgiveness. It's one thing to hear about love. It's a whole nother thing to have a youth leader every week be so excited to give you a hug. It's a wrestling match. And it gives them an opportunity to see what God wants to do in their life. Not the faith of their family. Not the faith of their mom and dad or their friends. Their faith. Their love of God. Their passion and excitement to see what God wants to do in their life. It's time to wrestle, church. Do me a favor and imagine what your life would look like if you stopped chasing after all the things the world tells you you're supposed to chase after. If you started chasing that hunger that points towards Jesus. If you left all of this stuff. Who wants some donuts? (laughs) All right, come on, come and get them. I just don't want them on the stage anymore for my visual. (laughs) He left all that stuff behind. (laughs) Of course, my daughter grabbed one. And you know what? I don't need that either. If you left all the stuff the world had behind, donuts, spinach, kale, and just said, God, I want more of you. God, I want more of your word in my life. God, I want more of your Holy Spirit speaking to me every second, every day. I want to be dripping with the love of God. I want every interaction I have to be an opportunity to tell somebody about how good you are. Not that you're some mean man on a hill with a magnifying glass trying to burn us for our sins. But you're a God who wants to free us from our chains. That wants to bless us and give us a life so amazing, so beautiful that you wouldn't even imagine. God has already spoken about all of that stuff. He's already spoken about healthy marriages. Pray together. Read the word together. Go to church every week. And see what he's wanted to do in you from the beginning. Sports and school will never take priority over a church in our family. Ever. Church is number one. God has already spoken about your children. Have dinner together. Speak truth and love over them. Get them in church every week and see how God will transform their hearts more than you alone ever could. We were challenged a few months ago when when Pastor Jeff Grinnell came about getting our kids in the Word and having nightly dinners. Now, we, our family can't do nightly dinners. We have a very busy life, but we can do three times a week. We do Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so we said, you know what? The nights we get to do family dinner, we're going to do it around the table, 
we're going to talk about our day, and we're not going to pray at the beginning. Because I don't want some compulsory, God, please bless this food in the hands that prepared it. If you want to do that, fine. But I don't want that in my life. I want my prayers to mean something and to be about something real. And so we spend all of dinner talking about life. What's going on in your world, kids? How was your day? What did you do? What's going on with your friends? And then we read something out of here. And we ask questions, and we dig, and we wrestle. And then, once mom or dad has had a chance to pray over our family, then kids are dismissed from dinner. And it has changed our lives. It has rocked our world. I didn't know this, but my kids didn't even know most of the books of the Bible. They didn't know the first five books of the Bible. They didn't know what the Gospels were. And now they have a verse memorized, almost two. They've memorized the first five books of the Bible. They've memorized the Gospels. They're learning about how much God loves them. And it's changing our family. It's making it more exciting to be around each other. Instead of just staring at our devices all night, we get to actually do something that means something for eternity. God has already spoken about who you've been created to be. Your sons and daughters of the king of the universe. Walk in the authority he's already given you. You don't have to ask permission to go to church. You don't have to ask permission to be generous. You don't have to ask permission to pray. You don't have to ask permission to love somebody. You don't have to say, God, do you want me to love that person? Answer is yes. doesn't matter who it is. The answer is yes. You have that authority. Operate in it and see how much influence God will give you as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven and the world around you. Church, what if this influence opened doors out there because of what God's done in you in here? What if something happens out there because of a wrestling match that you participated in in here? Where you grabbed a hold of God and said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Until you do something in my heart and reach down and bring something out that I'm too ashamed to even admit to my family. But he wants to shed light on that thing and say, I don't look at your shame. I don't shame you. I want to bring you blessing and give you freedom and break those chains in your life that are holding you down and let you go forward and meet your Esau's. That friend that's always been hostile about your church attendance teens, what if that friend at the lunch table said, you know, I've seen the change in you. I think I want that. Would you bring me to the Wild Youth on Wednesday or to church on the weekend? The boss who decides to join you at church because he sees your faithfulness, your honesty, your love and compassion. Your kids openly share about their day and ask you to pray for them when they notice that prayer really works. That, that actually affected my day, Dad. Thanks. That was awesome. What if this week God did something in you so that next week he can do something through you? I've noticed in my own life oftentimes the things that God has asked me to set down and never pick up again, a lot of times those are the things he allows me to help other people put down and never pick back up again. My past doesn't have to define me. God can use that. God can put a purpose to that pain. God can help me change other people's lives because of my past hurts, my past emotions, my past struggles. He's asked us to be leaders in this world that point people towards him. 
But church, it's hard to lead somebody somewhere where you haven't been yourself. A leader's been somewhere, they're taking somebody. They know the fight that's ahead. They know what's coming. They know how the enemy's going to attack you. They say, hey, we got this. I got you. Let's go. That means we have to be willing to go. We have to be willing to have those wrestling matches. So in a minute, we're going to open up the front for prayer. And if you've been chasing something other than God, if you've been looking to the world for fulfillment for something, if you've been hungry for a donut, I feel like you need to come get prayer tonight. I'm not going to have you bow your heads and close your eyes. That's, we're past that. If you know you need more of God, when I, when, in the end, when we invite people up for prayer, you need to come up and line this front. And there's plenty of people to pray for you. If you're, you know your hunger for things of the world has far outweighed your hunger for Jesus, you need to come get prayer. But first, I feel like there's some people in this room who need to hear what I'm about to say next. And this isn't just for people who don't know God. There's some Christians in here who need to hear this. Long before you decided what you were going to do with God, God knew exactly what he wanted to do with you. He didn't have any doubts, any questions. He knew you'd make mistakes. But he still knew exactly how awesome you were going to turn out. He knew how much love you had in your heart, how much pain you'd go through, how much you're going to bless others. Long before you decided what you were going to do with God, he knew exactly what he wanted to do with you. Long before the universe burst forth and hurtled stars over 400,000 miles, miles an hour across the galaxy, God knew what he wanted to do with you. Before he spoke and the oceans separated from land, before animals and things like spinach existed, God knew what he wanted to do with you. Before Adam had life breathed into him and before Abraham was well known as the father of faith, God knew exactly what he wanted to do with you sitting in this space. Before God used Moses to split the Red Sea and deliver his people from Egypt, before God sent Jesus to the world to save us from ourselves, he already knew exactly what he wanted to do with you. Before Jesus was on the cross, it says, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. That doesn't make any sense. What do you mean he looked at the cross and saw joy? That's just dumb. No, because when he looked at the cross, he saw you and me. You are for the joy set before him. He looked at the cross and saw Wade. And he looked at the cross and saw Tish and Jenny and Jason. He looked at the cross and saw every one of you and said, yeah, worth it. A thousand times over worth it. It's not something you can delegate. It's not something you can pay for. He just wants you. He wants your life. He wants your worship, and he won't share it because he's the only one worthy of it. He's the only one worthy of adoration. He wants you to surrender to him so that he can do in you what nobody else can. Bless you, give you purpose, joy, peace, love, hope. Some of us need to come get prayer about that tonight. You've forgotten that God thinks about you. Just you. There's moments where God says, oh, man, Mike is awesome. I love Mike. 
Tavita, that dude's crazy. But he's perfect for youth ministry. <laughs> Love that guy. Some of us need to come get prayer about that. Some of us need to seek him for the first time. If that's you, we're going to say a prayer in just a second. In fact, if everybody would stand up with me, we're going to close here in just like five minutes. If that's you and you say, you know what, I've never, I never knew God cared about me that much. I didn't know that God thought about me and that he wants me. God, are you sure? Have you seen my life? Come on. God has seen everything about you, and he loves you exactly the way that you are. All you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. This prayer that we're about to pray isn't some magical formula. It's not some magical, you know, heavenly get-out-of-hell-free card. It's a decision that only you can make for yourself. It's a moment when you say, Jesus, I want to be hungry for you for the rest of my life. We're all going to pray it together so that nobody in the room feels alone. Even if you've prayed it a thousand times, pray it with us today. Because the person right next to you might have never prayed it before ever. And your voice might give them the confidence to approach God and say, God, let's do some wrestling. So if you're here today and that's never been you, would you pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart? We're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. Say, dear God, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He died on a cross for my sins, and he rose again to give me life, hope, joy, peace, and everlasting life. Help me to, in the times when I don't know what to do, wrestle with you, to get down and dirty, and say, God, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give God a hand clap of praise in here for the people who just prayed that for the first time. If you prayed that prayer, there's a few things we'd like you to do. We'd like you to text the word SAVED to the number 25827. We're not going to like creepy Facebook social media stock you or anything like that. We just want to bless you with a gift. It'll have a Bible in it. It's gonna, we're going to send it to you in the mail. I have a Bible, a uh, CD of some of the types of worship music that we sing here on the weekends, and a coffee shop gift card just because we want to bless you. We want to be known as the most generous church in the world. And so that's one of the ways we try to do that. And also a staff pastor is going to get in touch with you to try to see if there's anything we can pray with you or help you get connected at church. Excuse me. But also, I want to pray for you. I want to ask God to help you do that wrestling. I want to ask God to help you approach him in the times when you feel like you shouldn't or you can't. There's never a time you can't approach God. Never. And so for this, I would ask that you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. This is a, a super personal moment between you and God alone. The only reason why my eyes are open is so that I know who I'm praying for. If you were here today and you said, God, I desperately need you in my life, would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Raise them now. Hallelujah. One, two, three, four, five. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else? Yeah, amen. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for those five or more people possibly online that said yes to you tonight. I pray in Jesus' name that they would turn to you and give you their whole heart. God, that they would expose everything deep down in there and say, God, whatever it is you can do with this, do it. I'm done trying to trick my way through. I'm try done trying to connive and scheme. I'm done trying to find my own way towards satisfaction. I just want you. I pray that you would 
bring them to their knees for you, God. That they would be hungry, desperately hungry for more of you. That they would be blessed by their church. That they would find friends. That they would find a hope that carries them through hard times and helps them to rejoice whether they're on the mountaintop or in the valley. And I pray that your love would just drench them right now like they're in a shower. Would just rain down on them and help them to feel your presence, to feel your love. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, hallelujah. Give God some praise in this place. I'm going to walk off this stage here in just a sec. But the challenge remains. If you know you've been hungry for donuts, hungry for fame, fabs, guy, girl, love, attention, and not the things of God, you need to get down to these altars. As soon as the worship music starts going, you need to get down to the front up here and allow us to pray with you. Because we want God in your life as much as you do. There's some spirit-filled on fire believers up here that can't wait to pray for you. So church, I love you. As soon as that music starts playing, you can come on up. And I think, yeah, Joe's coming. Give it up for Joe, will you? Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.